ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. I am your host, Cheats. As always, the mixtape is brought to you by the Family Podcast Network. I am sitting across from a very, very special guest, Trey Lipscomb, third baseman for the Harrisburg Senators. He is... I believe, as as currently constructed, the number 18th prospect in the Nationals organization. Trey, welcome to the mixtape. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me. It is an honor to have you. I'm going to start with a little bit more recent history, then we're going to go back. Because as, as it stands right now, we're smack in the middle of the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Tennessee made it to Omaha. This is where you went to school last year. You were playing for the Tennessee Volunteers, and one of the, I think, I think it's like statistically proven, one of the greatest baseball teams in the University of Tennessee history. Are are you tech? Are you checking out the College World Series? Did you follow this year's Tennessee team closely? Oh, I followed them from the get go. Um, I still got a bunch of guys on that team that I'm really, really close with. Um, I was there in the off season, so just seeing them prepare and do their work in the off season is really like. They went through a lot in the beginning of the season, um, but to see them come together as their own team, find their own identity, um, it was really, really cool. Um, and I'm glad to say that I actually went there. Now, when you watch something like this, is there any part of you that says, of course, you want you want your teammates to do well, <laughs> but if there is there any part of you that makes you be makes you just just gives you a little bit of jolt about what happened uh, to to your team? Like I said, one of the historically best teams. But correct me if I'm wrong. You guys did not make it to Omaha. Is that what happened? Yeah, no, we didn't. Um, but we had a great season. We had a, a bunch of guys on that team who were really really good. Um, but we just couldn't pull it off in the end. We had Notre Dame, who was an older team that come into our place, and just to see them dogpile on our field was something that. I wish I could go back and play for them again, but can't ha- it's not happening. But there's some guys on that team that took that to heart, um, and they really, they really did. So they, they were able to go into Southern Miss and dogpile on somebody else's field. So I'm sure that felt good for them, um, just because somebody last year coming into your spot, taking over it, and just walking out with the trophy, I guess. It, it was pretty hard to see. Well, talk to me about, again, one of the best season single seasons at the University of Tennessee your your final year there and from what I understand it it was almost kind of like a life lesson your whole career at Tennessee where there was some some patients that had to be involved you get your spot you take the most the absolute most of your opportunity that leads you to professional ball tell me a little bit about your time at University of Tennessee, how did you feel being there in SEC baseball altogether? Yeah, I mean, when I was going through the recruiting process, I knew that I went on a visit there and I knew I really wanted to go there, not just because they, they had all the cool gear and all that, but when Coach Vitello brought me to his office and he was sitting down with all the other coaches, it was just they brought this family thing to me that really like held a special place in my heart. So I was like, really, everyone asked, why didn't you transfer? Why didn't you, why didn't you leave? Go closer to home. Family can see you some more. And I was like, I don't. I feel like that's my second home. They they really brought a family in, and to me, and I just I just really love to call that place home. That's awesome. Talk to me a little bit about SEC weekends, uh, some of the most competitive baseball that can be played in Division One. But not only that, every environment, including your home environment at the University of Tennessee, was just, it, for lack of, it was nuts. It was nuts watching some of those games. Yeah, it was crazy. We had this group of, like, frat boys who would come to the game. They'd call them, like, Lindsey Lindsay Nelson legends. Um, <laughs> they would come over there, and they would always give the first baseman a hard time and talk about their girlfriend, their past. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how they're going through this. Like, I couldn't even imagine. 
But yeah, I mean, lacing up those cleats on a Friday night and just running onto the field when the announcer's saying it's Friday night in the SEC just gave me a little bit of chills. But I loved it. I love every bit of it. Um, sometimes I, little, I have little flashbacks and I can picture it in my head and I'm just like, wow, that's, I really took it for granted. But no, I'm glad. I'm glad that the SEC is like that. Did you know coming in, like I know you said you visited on recruiting and so forth, but did you know the environments coming from Maryland to the Southeastern Conference? Did you know, not not just your home environments, when you would go on the road, you'd obviously play teams, Vanderbilt and LSU. Did you did you know these environments were just going to be crazy? I mean, not at all. I mean, when I went on my, when I went to a visit, it was my official visit, but me and my dad wanted to go check out the SEC game. So we went when they were playing Florida, the number one team, when they had, oh, wow. they had India, they had all those guys who got drafted pretty high. And we went to the game and it was probably like, it was raining the whole weekend. It was probably 25 degrees, it was freezing. And we get to the game, and there's probably like 30 people in the stands. And I'm like, there's no way. This is, everybody talks about SEC, how it's always, always like this, and it's a bunch of fans and stuff. And me and my dad are sitting there like, there's probably like 20 open seats right next to us. And I'm just like, no way it's like this. But Coach Vitello brought like a huge, like he brought the fan base into it, and he brought, like I said, the family aspect into it. So that last year, my, my junior year, you could really see it starting to take off. Um, and then that last year was, I mean, it was crazy. We were selling out midweek games on a Tuesday. And the people who had work at 5 p.m. were, I guess, taking off work and coming to the games to see us play, which is, it was really cool. That's awesome. Talk to me a little bit about your beginning uh, and, and just kind of falling in love with the game. How did it start for you? When did you start playing? How did you fall in love with baseball? Yeah, I mean, I, I played when I, was, when I was younger. I mean, I played all the sports, football, baseball. I grew up, my dad was a wrestler at the Citadel, so he wanted me to wrestle a little bit. I wrestled. A little bit through there, I didn't wasn't really a fan of it. Didn't really like it, but my dad wanted to, and it's, it brought happiness in his eyes. So I did it. I did it for a little bit. Um, but no, I grew up playing all those sports, and then probably the I want to say like maybe around five or six was when I really started. Like, oh, I really like this sport. Um, and then playing playing it with my friends growing up, we always played all the other sports, basketball and, and football, but. I started at maybe around five, six, and then probably when I got to, I moved to Florida, so maybe around 12, when they was playing baseball year-round, I was like, oh, I guess I gotta cut out all these other sports. I mean, these kids are, we're literally playing every weekend, um, can't take any breaks. Um, so probably, like I said, around 12, play, started playing travel ball, did the whole Cooperstown experiment. Um, oh, nice. But it, it, was, it was fun. But so probably, I would say around 12, I started taking it really, really serious. Like I really wanted to do this. For people that don't know, what's the, the you mentioned the Cooperstown experience, what was that? Uh, so basically you go into Cooperstown in New York. Um, oh, okay. There's, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of teams there. I think, I want to say like around 120, maybe 200 teams there. Um, you stay in these little dorms. Um, they give you like these little pins and you get to trade with all the other, all the other teams, stuff like that, get the cool pins, get a little towel, put up all the towels and stuff. Um, and then some of the, the umpires actually had pins and you wanted to get the umpire pins because they had, they had the cool ones. They had <laughs> Dreams Park and it was the biggest pin. Um, so yeah, I guess that whole experience was pretty, really fun. Now, you grew up in Maryland until you moved to Florida. Um, baseball, we all know, is, is certain pockets of baseball, depending on where you're playing. You may play with other players that look like yourselves, come from the same background as you. And then there's chances where you may not see another person of color, minority, uh, for, you know, weeks on in and travel ball season or whatever. Did, did you have the opportunity to play with other kids or uh, other kids of color? or Yeah, I did. I uh, played, played baseball in Atlanta. Um, this team called the Georgia Yard Dogs. We had kids on that team like Chase Bryant, and I'm sure you guys know the name, Mike Harris. Mike Harris is on the team. Um, and it was just 
having those group of guys, I mean, it was a team full of African-Americans, and we, we would just go out there and have fun. And the crazy part, we would show to these these other parks and we play these other teams, and kind of these other teams, the family was kind of look like, like a little different. And we'd go out there, and I think Rumble was still in effect, and we would beat them by 12 or something. And they're just like, oh, oh, and you kind of walk off the field like, yeah, we really did that. Like, it, it's awesome to see something like that when people look at you a little differently and just go in there and just play the game of baseball because really baseball doesn't have a have a color to it. Um, go out there and just play your game, and it, it's just fun. How did your How did you find a team? So again, Maryland, Florida. You said you played on a team uh, in Georgia. How did you find that team? Uh, so I mean, we would. There's a coach named Coach Boo, um, and I guess him and my dad met at some, I think it was like a football tournament or something. They met, they met together, and he was like, yo, come out and play in this tournament. Um, and around that time, I was still playing rec ball. So they were like, come play travel ball. And my dad's like, what is travel ball? And I had no idea what travel ball was either. I went out there, put my first game of travel ball, and I think I made this really cool play up the middle. I was playing shortstop at the time. Made this cool play up the middle, spin move and everything. And I was like, Dad, I, I really like this team. Like it was just, it was cool going to the dugout and just, just celebrating, and having fun. I was like, I want to play travel baseball. So after that, we, I mean, we played with that team for probably three, four years. So I got older, and then showcase ball came along when you wanted to go showcase your skills in front of the college coaches and stuff like that. Um, which now is getting younger and younger. I got a brother who's a freshman in high school going into a sophomore year, and he's already talking about playing uh, showcase ball. So it's like, dang, now these kids are getting recruited at ages like 12, 13, which is. Which is crazy, um, but it's really showing how the game is evolving. Like everybody wants to play the sport just a little bit more. Um, like I said earlier, it doesn't really have a color to it. So, when did you realize, not just that you wanted to play, but when did you realize, like, all right, I may have. You looked around and said, I may have something here. I might, I might be one of those dudes. Yeah, um, probably around the age of 14, 15, when I was playing travel ball. Like I said. Um, and I was like, I was going out there and really I was just playing it like just, I was playing all the other sports too. So I would just go out there on the weekend and just go out there and just really call it just hanging out with my fam or hanging out with my brothers. Um, but when I got to the age 15, I was like, I could really do something with this um, and put in the work and then grind and do all the other things that are, that are really, really fun that come along with it. Like staying in the hotels with the team and traveling with them. And I was like, oh, this is, I could really do something with this. So I, I would say around the age of 15 was, the first time I realized that, oh, this, I can do something special with this. Now, as you get older, so I've, I've talked to a lot of players that are kind of in similar positions uh, in professional baseball now, and they'll talk to me about a team like the one you just mentioned, a team whether it's in Georgia or whether it's in Alabama or Texas, as you start to, to raise up um, kind of in, to the elite levels. You start to see less and less of the, you know, those those youth teams or travel ball teams that kind of break up. It, people go their certain ways. A lot of them, like you said, are multi-sport athletes. They might decide on playing another sport. So <laughs> it gets a little bit harder, for lack of a better term, to connect with other players of color. Um, you had some at the University of Tennessee when you went there as well. Um, you play on a Senators team that has quite a few for an adult for an Eastern League Double A team. Quite a few black players on it as well. What is that uh, having having other people that possibly can relate to your experience? What does that mean for you as a player? Yeah, I mean, just having like you said, some people that can relate to your story just a little bit more, um, just to make it feel like you're not going through it alone. Um, I mean, I room with James Wood, and I didn't know about him until probably when he got traded over here from the Padres because he was he was four years younger than me. Um, 
And then I found out he was probably 20 minutes away from Frederick, Maryland. Yep. And I was like, oh, this, this kid's from back home. Um, but just a room with him. Um, we shared a spring training place together. Um, now we room together on the road wherever we go, have an apartment in Harrisburg together. So it's kind of cool just hearing his background and him sharing his stories. And it's kind of like, I went through the same thing. Like, I, I, it's, pre it's pretty cool to see that. And I bet you it's, it's actually something the more players that I talk to, the more they have similar experiences, similar uh, just shared experiences that now you are also, you and James both, in a really unique position now, now that you're in Harrisburg. You just got here earlier this month, right? But you have Delano DeShields, an African-American manager, which he told me just yesterday, it's kind of like a unicorn. <laughs> um, what is that like, having someone that you know is, has kind of shared some of the same experiences that you and the other players have thought. Yeah, I mean, some of the story he tells me, I mean, they go way, way back. Uh, I'm sure they sh he shared it on it, the podcast yesterday. Some, not much. He didn't <laughs> too much. You know what I'm saying? We're yeah. Right, right, right. But no, just, I mean, the first day I saw him, I walked there, I walked in there in spring training. I had no idea who he was. And then we connected together because actually his daughter played basketball at the University of Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know that, but I knew the last name. And so when he came here and told me that, I was like, oh, it makes sense now. But first day, I had a glove that wasn't broken in yet. And he was like, hey, give me that. Give, give, me, give me that glove. I, I, I'm going to get it right for you. Within two days, he probably handed it right to me, and it was, it was game ready already. So just honestly, someone to come up to me and just do that, because usually you got to break them in yourself or sure. find a way to do it. But for him to come up to me and give me the glove back in two days, when usually it takes myself probably three, four weeks, and maybe a month to break it in, it's kind of, he was like, oh, here you go, game ready. So then, awesome. show me some of those tricks, you know? <laughs> How uh, how has it been now? Um, obviously, you've gone through the affiliate ball. I mean, obviously, you got drafted. You got drafted high. And, uh, you know, short season, now you're in affiliate ball, and you're all the way up to the AA level pretty quickly. Uh, what is the biggest adjustment at this level of playing AA baseball, which most people say, not look, not to put any pressure on you, but most people say this is kind of the make-or-break level in regards to uh, affiliate baseball. Uh, I mean, he talked to me yesterday about it. He asked me the same question about, like, what's the what's the difference between here and high A and low A where you were? And I was really like, you really can just trust your approach here. Um, you can really get in the box, have a game plan, and have an approach. And if, you doesn't, if, they don't, if the pitcher doesn't throw it to you, then oh well, then that's not your approach. But if you have the... I want to say like the mindset to go up there and have the right approach and knowing that if he gives you this pitch, then you can do this with it and not just free swinging. I think that's the, the biggest adjustment from double A and high and low A. I, I've heard that before, and I've heard that even at the higher levels where it's like, you know, some of the, the all-stars, if you look at Mookie Betts at bats or Tim Anderson at bats and you watch a lot of film, they're like, nope, they're just waiting on their – like they're waiting on their pitch. They might get a good pitch. They're not going to swing at it, but they're going to swing at it. Is discipline like, because I mean, obviously, like you said you played at a high level for a very long time up until this point. Are you still in the process of learning your approach and learning discipline and that stuff, or is it just kind of repeating what you know? It's literally just having the consistent and repeating like what you know. They say baseball is a game of consistency, so it's not what about you do what you do today. But it's what you do tomorrow, the next day, and the next day after that. So really, just just trusting my approach at the play and just knowing I can get it done, no matter the circumstances. Absolutely. All right, let's have some fun. 
And <laughs> so, some 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 rapid fire. I'll start you with an easy one. But uh, growing up, who are who are the players you looked up to? Who are your favorite players? Uh, I really like Mookie Betts. Uh, was a big David Ortiz fan. I mean, that swing from the left side is just mm-hmm. you can't you can't repeat that one. It's, it's pretty pretty. Um, so I was those type of fans. And obviously, I was a Jackie Robinson fan growing up and learning his story and his background um, was really cool. So I guess those are my three. If you could face any pitcher, today's game or throughout history, so any pitcher living or dead, who do you want to step in the box with? Who do you want to face? Uh, I've always been a fan of competition, um, so I want the best of the best. So I guess right now I'd be Shohei Otani. I, I like to see him in the box. Very nice. I like it. I like it. How do you think you do? Uh, I don't know. I guess time will tell. I guess whenever I get there, hopefully he's pitching, and I'll be able to be able to tell you then. Very nice. Very nice. Best advice you've ever received in regards to either baseball or just life in general? When somebody was like, gave you a gym, what was the gym that you'd pass on to, to other players that may be, uh, you know, asking you, hey, how, how, how do I become the next Trey Lipscomb? Uh, I guess, I mean, my dad told me, he always told me tomorrow's not promised. So whatever you want to go get, go get it today and make sure that you leave no doubts in what you want to do. And then it's kind of something that Tennessee, that it was on the wall when you walked into the locker room and it was, if you believe it, it's true. So if I believe I'm going to go out there and do my best, then I will. Um, so that's kind of what I, my mantra, like what I live by. Um, and it's kind of like, like tomorrow's not promised, so you never know. So if you really want to go get something, go get it today. That's a good one. If Trey Lipscomb was not playing baseball for a living, what would you be doing? Uh, I've always told myself <laughs> if I could play another sport. Oh, no, no, anything. It, yeah, it no, have no, to be a sport. yeah, yeah, no, okay. but I'm, I'm going to start with the sport. I, okay. If I could play another sport, it'd be hockey. I think hockey's pretty cool. Have you ever played hockey? I've never played hockey. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to skate, so that'd be, that'd be the first stepping stone. Um, but not for a sport. I probably want to be like a marine biologist. I mean, there's so much of the ocean that's not discovered. Um, they say that, like, what is it, 95% of the ocean you don't know? No, only, no clue. Yeah, only 5% of the ocean you know, and the ocean's huge. Um, so there's all types of species out there, but marine biologists would be pretty cool. If you had an opportunity to do space travel, would you do it? Probably not. Uh, probably not. I'm claustrophobic, so I don't, I don't know if I could get into something and be strapped down. So I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Day off. You don't have any workouts or anything you have to do. What? Uh, what's Trey Lipscomb? Where, where do we find Trey Lipscomb? What's you doing on a perfect day? Uh, I really like music. Um, not just rap music or just. I mean, I went to Tennessee, which is kind of they call it like the country school, right next yeah, to Nashville. It's like country, uh, yeah, capital of the world, right? right next to Nashville. So. Um, I kind of like all genres of music, hip-hop, little slow tunes, something like that. So probably just listening to some music. Um, my sister's a really good painter. Um, she got me into painting. I can't paint like her, but I give it my best. <laughs> um, these little canvases. I paint like album covers, like music and songs that I like to listen to. So probably, I don't know, say probably something like that. All right. You set yourself up for this one, so I got to ask. No, seriously, if, uh, so... You can only listen to one album for the rest of your life. Doesn't have to be your favorite album, but you can only listen to one. I'll do two. You can only listen to one album, but you can also you can pick one album and one artist. They don't have to be the same. So you can only listen to you can listen to one artist and you can also listen to one album. What do you pick? Probably the artist I would choose Future. I'm a big Future fan. I like I like I like Future's music. Um, I like but there's always a time and a place for that. <laughs> Good point. Good right. Point. Um, Overrated or underrated though on Future? Future, I would have to go. I would say 
probably two or three years ago he was underrated, but now he's kind of everyone is kind of hopping on that correct. wave. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right. I don't know if he's yeah. the greatest rapper of all no, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But he's definitely living yeah. up to the hype um, yeah. as he is now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Probably album I have to listen to for the rest of my life would probably be. Uh, probably the Carter Five by Lil Wayne. Okay. I see. I feel like I like what you did there, though, because I feel like you definitely can't listen to like Dirty Sprite for the rest of your life. You like you got to you got to. I was thinking you got to go something that like gives you some. I like it though. I like it. Um, when was the moment, or it, has there been a moment? Because you seem like a pretty even keeled guy. You seem like a pretty chill guy. Is there a moment after you uh, got drafted and now you're in professional baseball uh, that you kind of looked around and was like, "Oh, I'm really, I'm really here. This is different now." Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't tell this at the beginning of the podcast, but just going through all the recruiting and seeing all my buddies get like offers and take their official visits to these really, really cool schools, it was kind of like, "Why am I not doing that? Like, why is it, why isn't it me?" Um, but I walked on at the University of Tennessee. I was a oh, walk. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay. a walk on all four years. Um, no. Yeah, all four years I was a walk on. I mean, up until my senior, my senior year, I had probably I had one at bat in the SEC, two at bats in the SEC, one versus uh, Dustin Science, who's here right now, sure. at Texas A&M on the road, and then one at Missouri on the road. So none of them were at home. But I had two at bats going to SEC before my senior year. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I I probably should tell that at the beginning of the podcast. No, but yeah, we, were, we were talking yeah, about yeah, the patients yeah, part, right. but I didn't know that it was I didn't know it was walk on staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was I was a walk on um, for four years at Tennessee. So um, okay, so now we do have to look. We do have to talk about it a little bit. What was it about you then? Obviously, you love the environment, love the school, love the coaching staff, but what was it that kept you? coming back even at walk-on status for years where I'm sure in the back of your mind you're like I can I can play somewhere right right and with the whole COVID thing that went around people were always asking me like why don't you transfer like go closer to home and stuff like that but it was really like I said earlier the family thing I don't think I could have found anything else that really brought the family aspect to it um, even though I wasn't playing coach Vitello he would always come up to me and ask me how my day was going and he would literally he'd take me out to dinner some of these times and it would just be like more of a family, like kind of like a at-home meal that just really brought comfort into that university. And I want so that's that's a, a really strong um, testament yeah. to your character and your obviously belief in yourself. Was it a situation where you were like, "I'm gonna get my shot, I'm gonna get my shot," or was it like, "I, I just love this place, I love the environment, I don't know if it's gonna happen." I mean, going into the falls, I mean, I would always get my shot. I mean, he loves competition, um, so we would always scrimmage each other, and I'd get my shot. And then at the end of the day, it is what it is. I, I would get beat out. Um, but I knew eventually I was going to force his hand to make me play every day. <laughs> and my senior year that day came, um, and I, don't, I, I never took a look back. Um, how was that? How was that feeling? Like, I mean, again, I've I've never played at these levels, but I imagine like, oh, when. In a situation, they put the they put the team names on the roster. You go look, and you're like, "I made the team." But you've been through this, you know, four years, and then it's like, when did, when was that moment? Like, you're like, "Okay, you're the guy. You're you're going to put our trust in you." I mean, I would go out there, and I always knew I was the guy. I mean, I'll go out there and not not get the not get the outcomes I wanted, but every time I stepped into the box, I I was the guy hitting 400 with 20 home runs. Yeah. That's that's just who I was. Um, but then at the end of the season, because we had our exit meetings. And Coach Vitello was like, at the end of it, he was like, listen, whatever you need, I got you. So I, I really think that, like, 
from the beginning, like the whole family thing and the whole time of me just waiting it out and finally getting my turn and just really like going with it was really something that he took really he took it to heart and I took it to heart. So mutual thing. Now what is it something about Trey that people that may just see on the outside but but like what what is something about Trey that they may not know? What would surprise people if you told them something about yourself? Besides wanting to be the hockey player or the marine biologist. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I don't know. I'm a pretty even-killed person, like you said. I really don't like baseball a game of, like, it's a roller coaster, and they always say you want to even it out, and I go through the ups and downs. So I really just, I don't know, I just try to go out there and just stay focused to my approach and really just do what I've been doing since I was a kid, and that's just ball out. Does, does it feel like a business? Uh, I would say... Now that like I'm not going like going to classes and like going to all these extracurricular things, coming here and just perfecting my craft and getting better every day, it feels like a business. Mm. So I, I really like it. But at the end of the day, it's a fun business. I love it. Yeah, I was gonna say. So there's there's some life adjustment stuff there, um, but so far you feel feel really good about it. How do you kind of work on like you're, you're working on different things every day, but one of the things that is I think a challenge, especially for kids of color, going through and up the ranks is always just like fundamentals, like just getting the basic fundamentals, so then you can start building upon those. How do you keep How do you keep your game sharp now? And I know you're working on different things every day, but is, is do you map it out like today I'm going to work on this, today I'm going to work on that? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, every day I just try to get that one percent better at something that wasn't as good as I was yesterday. Um, so that's really kind of something I live by too, is just get 1%, like wake up out of bed and just do something that's going to make you better so you can perform out there on the field. Um, so really, really nothing nothing too special, but I really do take pride in my defense. So anytime I can work on my defense, um, I know if pitcher gets in the jam, he gets me a ground ball, I don't want to be the one to mess it up. I want to be the one that they can count on, just not even turn the head, just walk straight out the field. Last question here, ladies and gentlemen, the voice you're hearing is Trey Lipscomb, third baseman for Harrisburg Senators. I always like to end on something like this, not exactly, but something like this. Um, if you, again, it could be current or it could be, you know, in the past or anything, but uh, if you could just like sit down and do what we're doing, uh, but you can pick somebody's brain, whose brain would you want to pick? Um, who would you want to have a conversation with, whether it's baseball or just like yeah, stuff? Yeah, I mean, this might sound a little bit cliche, but probably LeBron James. I mean, he, he he's, yeah, he literally, why not? He's, he's the greatest of all time. In my definition, he's the GOAT. So I, I really like what he does and what he does off the, off the court, um, how he's raised his family. So just to sit down and have a conversation about him, not just about sports, but just about like the lifestyle. Very nice. We're going to have to end it there, ladies and gentlemen. Trey, tell everybody where they can follow you, keep up with you, follow your journey, because it's, look, you're always, look, you're showing up and showing out now. It's only a matter of time, my man. Right. I mean, like you said, I'm, I'm in here at Harrisburg, I'm the senator, so you want to come out and watch a game. The stadium is pretty cool. We get a lot of fans down there, but my Instagram handle is tlips22, and my Twitter is tlips03, so if you want to follow me, I, I try to stay on there as much as I can, but like you said, sometimes it gets a little toxic on there, so just kind of just... Yeah, you can find me on there. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll have to end it there. Really, really excited. Just just had a blast talking to Trey. Until next time, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. We'll see you soon. Bye.